It's time to sweat it out with Anthony Mendez and Josh Evans. What is up, guys, and welcome back to the Sweat It Out podcast. Today we have two very special guests. First, we have an education innovator, author, entrepreneur, and the CEO at Fusion Education Group, Peter Rupert, followed by his Fusion's head of school, Maria Cardenas, who is a tremendous leader focusing on empowering her team so that her students can be at their very best. Guys, thank you so much for coming on today. We're definitely excited to learn more about your amazing school and the unique ways that you guys teach empower kids and are leading you know these students to become you know great men and women in our world so thank you guys for coming on here our pleasure thanks so much how did you how did you guys get started with with the whole school system that you created and and you know what what made you think to come up with an alternative for kids to learn well i guess i'll take that one maria um <clears throat> You know, it's, it's been a while. It's a long winding road, but uh, I was uh, not originally an educator. I actually started out my career um, selling laundry and dishwashing detergent for Procter & Gamble and grocery stores. And then I went to business school and then I was in consulting for a while. And long story short, eventually I moved in and got into education as president of a charter school company in Michigan, where I'm currently located. And um, it was interesting in the charter school world, how I realized that um, even in our charter school organization, which was doing a great job for kids, it's still a challenge because you have all these kids in one classroom. Kids are at all different levels, even though they're the same age. And so it was very hard to personalize and customize to really meet the needs of kids. Just really uh, a challenging task for even the best of teachers. And so uh, eventually I left that after about eight years and, and um, was in the healthcare industry briefly, but decided I wanted to get back in education. And so um, I created this premise or, or this offering um, program where I was trying to raise money to launch the company. And my premise was that the future of education is going to be much more about customization, specialization, and individualization than what we've seen to date. And I felt like there would be some unique school models out there that maybe we could find and buy and eventually replicate. And so we uh, ended up raising the money back in 2006 and we launched in 2007 and uh, <clears throat> found the original Fusion Academy campus in Solana Beach, California in uh, late 2008. And we partnered with the owner there, Michelle Gilman, who still partners with us today. And <clears throat> um, as soon as I saw that program, all one-to-one, -one, uh, so focused on each individual kid and customizing the, the teaching and learning for that child. I just knew we had an amazing opportunity to grow and replicate that. And so we started to replicate in 2010. And today we have uh, about 62 fusions across the country and 16 futures, which is a similar model, also in California that uh, we acquired about a couple of years ago. Wow, that's amazing. You know, and I'm going to tell you off the bat, you know, going back to my high school days and even middle school, you know, and I know I, I talked to Maria a little bit about this when I when I saw her um, at Fusion. You know, I wish there was something like this one, you know, at least here in Miami, you know, when I was a kid, because I'll tell you right now, like it's it was a struggle for me, you know, learning 
you know, figuring things out in school, you know, being able to be a great student, not saying that I was a bad student, but a great student or excel even further in certain, certain curriculums. And I was struggling in a lot of areas. And it was just like, always thinking, I'm like, is it me? Like, am I the problem? You know what I mean? And, and just like, am I doing something wrong? And and, I, and of course, you know, we, we look at ourselves too, and there's things we could have done better. But, you know, it's just like the learning aspect was just so hard, like to learn. And I just couldn't comprehend it. So, you know, I think it's amazing what you guys got going on because it is unique. And I do believe that, you know, things do need to be tailored. It's the same thing with when we, we do our coaching, right? All our coaching clients have their own tailored uh, programs. We talk to them differently. We treat them differently. We have to be adaptable as coaches because everybody is a different person and learns and receives things differently. So it's the same thing with students, right? In a school system where every student's going to learn and receive information differently. So maybe take us a little bit down that route of like, what, what have you seen as far as like, when you guys worked in the traditional schools, both of you, and have worked with those kids, what has you what have you seen being the big, huge difference maker? Like, what has stuck out to be the, the biggest thing that's really like, wow, like, this is what we're really seeing in kids now through Fusion, like, coming out when they graduate? Um, I mean, I can take this one, uh, Pete. So... Uh, I think that was one of my my frustrations as I left the more traditional models uh, and came to fusion. I came because um, I, I was becoming a little frustrated with uh, just not being able to reach certain students, um, you know, whether it was learning differences, mental health issues um, that we couldn't support as a school. It always felt like a, a big struggle. And I felt like I just kind of kept letting these kids down. Um, and then just coming to Fusion and having the complete reverse, you know, being able to work with those kids that just uh, the traditional model doesn't work for. And, and it's not because the schools that they're coming from are bad schools. On the contrary, we partner with our local schools all the time. We have amazing schools here in Miami, um, but they're just not always equipped to handle some cases. Right? And so we have students that come to us because it hasn't worked out in the end. And with us, there, you know, some kids that are maybe we're considering dropping out of high school entirely are going on to college, right? Like graduating high school is not in the book for all three of our graduating seniors. And yet they all ended up going to college and having like amazing time while they were here they learned they you know I continuously hear from the students like this is the most I've ever learned uh sitting in a classroom with a teacher one-on-one um our teachers take the time to get to know them and I know when I was a classroom teacher that was one of my big things was I want to know everybody in this classroom I want to learn about their interests I'm going to the football games I'm going to their plays but it doesn't always pan out. You know, if you have 130 students, there's only so much attention you can, you know, you have to go around. And here we're, we're really guaranteeing that every student has a relationship with every teacher that they see. And that's really just magical. Where do you, yeah. uh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to build on what Maria said. I think that's so, that's so critical to what we do. I mean, we talk about the personalization, the customization of the education in that because of its one-to-one, we can do such a better job of the, on the academic side because it's so focused. But as Maria mentioned, there's so much to every student besides academic success. And it's, we're focused on that social and emotional part. And because of that one-to-one setup, like she mentioned, you really get to know every kid. You can understand their hopes, their dreams, their fears, their frustrations, their challenges, and you build that trust. And so you end up being our teachers or amazing mentors as well as they are fantastic teachers. And I think that's what made, has made it so successful for us as an organization. 
Is that where you see public schools really lacking is, is that personalization? Is that one-on-one time? I come from like a small school district in upstate New York. I mean, my graduate class was only like a hundred. So I had a lot of that personalized touch uh, where I grew up, but I know, you know, a lot of these schools, especially down here and in, in California, you're talking about thousands of kids. Um, where do you see the public school system lacking that, you know, charter schools are becoming a lot more popular that, uh, you know, charter schools are kind of filling that gap with? Um, well, I, I don't want to say that it's lacking, right? I, I have a really strong belief in our public school system. I think it's a, they play a really important role uh, for thousands and thousands of families. And my, my children go to public school. Um, but I think... Again, it just because of the nature of having to educate many students all at once, uh, it becomes a huge challenge for anybody involved in that system. And a reality that if a student is struggling with something in particular in that moment, that doesn't mean they maybe eventually may not become successful, but in that moment, they might need something different, right? And so they, having a diversity in school choices, like having fusion uh, here for our Miami families, that can really make a big difference in the students' lives. And so we'll, we'll work with kids that, you know, maybe they, they've been like honors or gifted students their whole lives and are just going through something right now and they need something a little bit different. And, you know, they end up graduating with us being able to take those honors classes and doing really well. Um, and it's, again, it's not that their school prior was particularly lacking in any way. It's just that the approach that they needed was just something different. Um, and that's where we really come in and, and fill in that gap. Yeah, and, and I would add to that in that um, we are big fans of public schools. And frankly, public schools work for most kids, right? Um, yeah. But not all. And my kids go to have gone and, and go to public school as well in our local community. We've been pleased with the education. But we give, in today's day and age, teachers have a really challenging task in a traditional school. And as Maria mentioned, when you have six classes a day of, of 20 or 30 kids, you're, you're seeing 130 to 150 kids for 45 minutes at a time. And, um, you know, how, how do you differentiate? How do you customize? And, and only the most amazing teachers, and they usually are doing it by going way above and beyond the call of duty in order to try and personalize for some kids. But it, it's, it's a really difficult challenge because if you're 12 years old, we stick you in sixth grade in American traditional education. And sometimes that kid should be doing eighth and ninth grade work. And sometimes another kid should be really be doing third and fourth grade work where they can really achieve at a level where they're ready to learn and then accelerate from there. But we just don't have the capability to do that with the way our structure is in traditional education. And fortunately, like Maria said, there are options like ours in many cities where parents can come to us for that more customized, more one-to-one environment. I'm really glad that you brought that up. It's actually funny because I was uh, talking with one of my former clients and we were actually discussing this. I was in a lot of or almost all honors classes when I was uh, when I was in school, and I was telling them how you know we were separated uh, from the other kids in in our grade for almost every other class except for like a couple ones, and it was almost kind of awkward for us being you know in these honor AP classes and then having to go and like take gym or take um, you know take maybe social studies where I wasn't in honors classes with um, the rest of the kids in my grade. 
And they would just look at me like, oh, well, why are you even in here for this one period? Like when you're just going to go back to your like, quote unquote, smart, like in smart person in class. And we were like, listen, like it's not about that. Like they just gave us this option to be able to uh, get in an accelerated program that, you know, maybe you weren't ready for. Um, and it, I'm I kind of wish that we would have had a, maybe a charter school where, you know, the kids that I were in daily life with in class with would have been able to, you know, maybe even be that much farther ahead if we had, you know, had a teacher who was prepared and was ready to customize things appropriately for us uh, and, and, and focus on the attentive nature of what we needed for our development as a kid. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, and I mean, but, and it's a challenge that like you were fortunate, as you said, to go to a uh, smaller school where they could do more of that. And, mm -hmm. and uh, in, in some of these larger schools, especially in these big, big, um, high school and middle schools that you see today, it's not easy. Right. And, and, uh, there are schools who are able to pull it off and do amazing things. There's teachers out there too. And try as they might, the way that we're set up is not easy for that customization for that ability to really help kids accelerate, um, and, and, uh, achieve their full potential. Um, and, and that's why, the, the, the other impacts on education, such as your home environment and your family life and, and other mentors you might have outside of school are so important to any child's development and growth. Now, you guys said you, you partnered up with other schools, right? You partnered up with other schools here in Miami and I'm sure in California where you have your schools. What does that partnership look like? Is this where you bring on your strategies, your, your, your philosophies, um, I don't know, curriculums, and you teach this to the teachers in the, in the school board or in, in these public schools or private schools so show them how they can improve their schools? Is that how you guys work together? Or maybe you, you guys can explain well, to me. Yeah, else. sure. Uh, I think every every fusion campus does it maybe a little bit different, uh, differently depending on you know their staff and and what they do. For us, particularly in Miami, what we've really enjoyed doing. I know um, I was an administrator at a Catholic school uh, prior to coming to Fusion, and one of the things that I felt as a new administrator was that there really wasn't a support system, uh, a community of administrators that. I could turn to when I had a question or I had, you know, I needed help. And so when I came to Fusion, I decided that because it didn't exist, I was going to create it. Um, and so I, I developed a, a program, we call it our Ed Leaders Roundtable Meetings. And so we will, um, we'll meet with uh, local, it's usually private schools, although we've had uh, charter schools that have come in as well. Um, you know, their, their leadership will come in and we do like these roundtable discussions around a particular topic. So I'll co-host an event. Uh, for example, we've co-hosted with Gulliver, with Riviera. Um, we've had uh, some of the Catholic schools that have come and co-hosted with us. Like it just depends on the topic and which schools are really strong in a particular area. We'll come and we'll open it up and say, you know, this is how we do this thing. This is how this school does this thing. And then we move into like a round table. And so everybody's kind of sharing um, their thoughts, their ideas, their strategies for their schools. Uh, and it becomes more of a community where now we're all getting to know each other really well, how we do things in our different schools. And so now I'll have, you know, an administrator from this is calling me and saying, hey, I really love this thing. Can you connect me to the principal at this school? Because I want to talk to them a little bit more about it. Um, so for us, it's about kind of creating those partnerships and those communities where we're all aware and learning from each other. So in that roundtable, have you ever had moments of, of dealing with certain leaders who might not be seeing your way and or might not be open to hearing it like that? And you guys have maybe had some kind of like 
uh, collide or, or clash where it's like, how do we figure this out so that way we can both learn from each other, you know, help you, you know, just improve in certain areas that you maybe could be benefit for your school? Uh, well, I, I think just the schools that we partner with are very, very different from ours. I mean, that's, that's kind of the point is that we're all very, very unique. Um, I've never had that kind of scenario. I think we have some great leadership in our local Miami schools that are very open-minded. Um, and they, they really appreciate for, for what we are and what we do. Uh, I think they've come to, to respect the, the approach that we take education, albeit it may be different from theirs. Um, I, I think we just have this understanding that we all have different roles to fill, uh, within our community. And so we, we partner up really nicely in that way. And so they will often call me and say, Maria, I have this student and, you know, things are really tough for them. Like, do you think that you could help them? Right. And, and likewise, we'll sometimes have students who um, are at a point where they're looking to transfer a bigger school and so now I can say hey I have a student um, and so we really connect really well with each other and are, are able to support one another and I I've never had a, a bad experience that's, I think that's awesome because you know I think we can agree here especially if you've lived in Miami for so long like you see a lot of like collide or like you know oh no Tribalism. My, my way is the way or this is the only <laughs> way it works you know at least from growing up and dealing with different groups of people, you see a lot of that, you know? So it's really nice to hear, especially in the, in the, in the schooling system that, you know, there is that leadership role. Everybody's getting along, learning from each other because at the end of the day, it's for the students, right? It's for the, it's for the future mm -hmm. of the community. So I think that's, that's wonderful. I, I have a question for you, Peter. Um, nationally, you know, because from everyone I've talked to about charter schools and, and school choice, it seems like, you know, that would be the way that we should head, you know, nationally. Um, Given, you know, I understand, you know, where you're coming from and even we both went to public schools. I think public schools are great as well. But I, I think having, private. having, did you really? Yeah. Oh, private. Yeah. I guess you were at <laughs> private school. I went to a public school. So, um, but you know, why, do, why nationally do charter schools get such a bad rep? Because I've only heard, you know, relatively good things to say about charter schools. And it seems like with, with what you guys are doing, it's, it's working out very, very well for the, for the kids. So why nationally do charter schools get such a bad rap? Is it just in the media? And, uh, you know, how do we get the word out about, you know, the, the benefits of, you know, school choice and, and, you know, charter schools in general? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think a lot of the reason that charter schools, certainly when, when I spent eight years in the charter school business before we started fusion in the private, in, the, in more of the private school realm, um, we were constantly being um, knocked and, uh, and dismissed. And part of that was just change in, in an industry that had not gone through such big change. It was tough for the world to try and accept that uh, the world of public education, one, needed to change. Um, and two, uh, would invite people who necessarily weren't from the traditional school system into uh, education. I mean, think about me. I'm a perfect example. I, I'm not an educator. I didn't teach, uh, but I've now spent 20 to 23 years in it. Um, so one was the change. It was kind of a, a different way. And, and the control of the charter school world in many states is outside the traditional system. And so you'd have these charter schools started by parents or by families or even by management companies in partnership with community leaders to create these charter schools. Um, and so I think a lot of it was misinformation that the media was picking up on and just assuming that charter schools weren't very good. 
And the reality is it's just like any other, any other school. Some, some charter schools are phenomenal and do life-changing work for kids. And some of them were not that good and struggled and were eventually closed down. And I think that was, that's probably the best place about uh, the best thing about the charter school world is that when schools don't perform, when parents are dissatisfied, they disenroll and they enroll their kid back in a traditional public school or a private school or what have you, that school loses funding and eventually goes out of business. And so that's okay. Um, We tend to never close schools in the public school arena, we just continue to prop them up. And um, it's almost a monopolistic environment. And so, um, and there's a lot of reasons schools can struggle and things like that, that we all know of. But I think ultimately, the idea of creating competition in education is a good thing. And I'm such a big fan of returning uh, the decision on education and education choice to the parent and let the parent decide what's best for their student versus the traditional system kind of forcing students to go to particular schools. And, and so that alone is why I think charter schools and other educational options are so, so powerful for families. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely had some amazing teachers that really helped me make some critical decisions early in my life uh, that really drove me to where I am today. But I also had some teachers who, uh, you know, were tenured and slacked off pretty big time. And I'm sure my mother wouldn't have been very happy to know what I was doing in their classes. You know, so I can definitely see, and I agree with you, that I think, you know, putting more control in the parents' hand is is really the way to go so that they can make the best uh, decision for for their kids. Uh, Another question that I wanted to ask both of you, I'll I'll open the floor to both of you. Um, In my school system, it was, you know, I grew up in a very low-income area, and... Um, vocational school was huge where I come from. They, they call it BOCES where I, where I grew up. So you would either, you know, go to traditional class, uh, school in the morning and go to, uh, vocational school at night, or you would, you would flip it and you would do the reverse. Is that something that you guys offer or is that something that you guys are looking, uh, into? And, and I know that you mentioned Maria, uh, you know, a lot more kids going to college. How do you guys feel about vocational schools, uh, versus college and how that plays into, uh, the American society as a whole? Oh, the bigger question of how it plays into American society, I'll pause on, but (laughs) as far as our fusion students, I think uh, that's one of the things that drew me to fusion was that we are so highly individualized that really, although the majority of our students do go on to college because that is the best route for them, this is what you know, what's going to fulfill them and make them happy, we do have a small percentage that that is not the right choice for. Um, And that the traditional four-year college or university route is just not a right choice. And we do honor that and respect that for our students. Um, So we are about pushing them as far as they can go, helping them to achieve those dreams. Um, But if their dream is like, we've had a graduate, his dream was to join the military. Like that's what he has wanted to do since he was 12 years old. God bless him. Yeah, and so we supported him, made sure that he had the best academic experience with us, um, helped him to study for, you know, the tests that lead up because he wanted to be a Marine um, so that he could achieve that goal, right? Um, We've had students that, for whatever reason, they needed to take a gap year before they started a traditional university. Big fan of that as well. Yeah, outstanding students. Um, You know, they're uh, one of them in particular, highly gifted, all honors classes, perfect 4.0 GPA, but she needed a little break. And 
And she, she took a break. She took some classes for fun, figured out what she wanted to do after high school with us, and now goes to the University of Miami. There we go. Really great program, but she needed a, you know, she needed that little pause. Um, so we respect that in our students. We develop it. We, we really want them to be successful, and success does look different for every child. So how do you how do you deal when it comes to the parent, especially with the gap year thing? Because I think that it is important if a student feels, especially if they're gonna they're eighteen now adults and you know they have the choice obviously, but they get a lot of pressure, especially from a t- traditional family. Maybe some parents like you gotta go to school, you can't give up. Like you're you know if uh, you don't my, do this now, it blew my mom's mind right? when, when my when I told her that my sister didn't need to go to college, blew her mind. But it's, it's just crazy because it's just like I do feel like you might need a year or two off and you're still only 19, 20 years old. You got the whole world ahead of you. You know, like those are your years to learn and also, you know, practice and see what you really want to do in life. And, you know, if you can literally figure that out and then maybe say, you know what, I'm ready for school again and I'm, I'm in a better, you know, level headed mindset. And I actually tested some things or tried some things out. Now I know what I want to do. You're going to excel so much more. So how do you guys do when it comes to the parents? Let's say they come to you guys and it's just like, no, but my student, like, you got to talk to them. You know, my, my kid, they have to go to school, like convince them. How do you guys deal with that? P, you want me to take this one? <laughs> yeah, why don't you take that? You probably get more life, real life experiences. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, first I have to say uh, everything we, we do, we approach it as a partnership, uh, both with our families, with any team that might be working with our student. Um, so we really we really like to have these conversations, right? Um, and we have a, we have a post-secondary counselor who works both with the families and with the individual student. And so um, I can't, I mean, you know, our, our school's fairly young. We've had our, you know, third graduating class, but I can't think of a time where we were really at odds <laughs> with the family. I think our families, um, you know, when, when they have all the information presented to them, um, they're comfortable with the final decision. Uh, and, I, and I think that's just our approach in general. Like we, we really don't want to, um, first of all, take the role of a parent. The parents know their children better than anyone, um, which I think ultimately is what leads to the success. Maybe sometimes our, our students have a hard time expressing why they want to go a particular route or explaining why this would be meaningful to them. And so we might help to bridge that gap and have those conversations with um, but we've really never had an issue as far as that because I think just uh, I, like our founder Michelle Rose Gilman says, you know, communication solves everything. <laughs> so um, if we have those uh, kind of back and forth, it's usually because there's a lack of understanding between their parent and their child. And we just kind of act as, you know, the mediators to, to help them see what can be a good solution both ways. Yeah, and I, I think if you think about uh, there's so much societal pressure today on kids going to college, right? And that probably started back in the seventies with some of the changes. And, um, you know, we used to have those to your question earlier, the, the vocational tracks were big parts of high schools. And unfortunately we push so many kids into college that really don't want to be there. Um, and, um, and aren't going to succeed. And, and sometimes what we have is a kid goes off to college for a year or two and then drops out with a bunch of student debt because of the expense of college Huge. nowadays. And now doesn't know where to turn. 
and um, so I think we have to rethink about what is what's the right thing to do. And if, again, if we focus on what the needs of the kid are and what the desires of the kid are, I think we're going to make a lot better decisions because there's a lot of tradespeople out there right now who have gone to vocational school, uh, and there's a big shortage that of those because a lot of students have tried the college route and then not being able to fall back into or wasted a lot of their money to try college and not be successful and now can't afford to go to trade school or what have you. So um, those trade options are really, really important. If that's what makes a student happy and fulfilled, uh, that's ultimately the way we got to be thinking about it as a nation as well. Yeah. I love, I love that response from both of you. And uh, you know, you took the words right out of my mouth, Peter. My, my, I mean, my uncle's an electrician. He makes 150 grand a year. You know, he's union got his retirement all set up. My stepdad is a corrections officer at, you know, a medium security prison in our area. And hasn't been in debt, I think, since like 1975. So, you know, uh, definitely, definitely good ways to go about it. And uh, I grew up, like I said, in a, in a low income area where college wasn't the right answer for everyone. And unfortunately, I feel like, you know, especially in our generation, we're about 30 now. It, you're right. It was just getting pushed down our throat, pushed down our throats. Like if you, it was college or bus, college or bus. You either went to college or you didn't. And uh, even on the student loan front, like, you know, I have my master's degree and I wish someone would have told me like, Hey man, you do not need to be taking out $20,000 a year, you know, or $20,000 a semester for your, for your loans. Like maybe you get a part-time job and you only take out 10, you know, cause that interest rate is going to catch up to you later on and, and all those student loan payments. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe this is a great time to be asking you guys, this is this something that you guys have uh, conversations with your students about, about like, okay, if college is really the route you want to go down, you know, maybe you have to look at these scholarship options or maybe you look at getting a job within the school or if you're, you know, you end up wanting to go to grad school. I know, like I was talking to my sister, she's getting ready to transition from undergrad to grad school. I was like, do not take out loans. Look for a school you can go to and be a graduate assistant at, get them to pay for your school. Right. Um, is, are those the type of conversations that you guys have with parents and, and with students? And if so, like, how do how do those go? Um, well, we actually uh, for our for our, any student who's graduating from Fusion, um, we have some pretty unique electives that uh, are mandatory for them to graduate with. One of them is life skills. Um, so aside from they do get the opportunity to work with a post-secondary counselor who does walk them through things like scholarships and applications and things like that, um, in their life skills class, they explore everything from how to budget, how to, uh, how to start a portfolio, like portfolio management systems, how to uh, apply for loans, what is good, you know, what is good debt, what is bad debt, how does credit card uh, debt come into the picture, you know, how to manage that kind of thing. Um, so it really does kind of get them right off the ground, like, so, you know, set up for adulthood in that sense, because they, they love the class. First of all, it's really fun. Uh, it's practical. They feel like they're getting a lot out of it. Um, but it's that kind of information that uh, I hear more and more like school should teach this. And I'm like, we do teach this at PSU. <laughs> Great. Um, and it's a full year course. It's not just like a throwaway elective. There is no opting out of it, which I always appreciate because I think sometimes we undervalue uh, what those types of courses can bring to our students. We're certainly not the only school in the university to offer a class like that, uh, but I would venture to say we're probably one of the few that makes it a high school graduation requirement. Uh, are your kids very receptive to it? I want to. I want to take a second and, and round of applause for that because we need more. <laughs> we need more of that in our schools. Woo! You know, more more life skills and and you know maybe a little less about uh, exactly you know some of the the less nuanced aspects of life. 
Well, isn't that, isn't that uh, so true? And that if you think about high school in general, it's about, okay, what have you learned and what have you told us you can learn that you've learned in your 12 or 13 years? When the reality of the question we should be asking is how prepared are you to go to the next step, whether it's college or vocational school or a gap year or your career, um, and how are you going to be a strong contributing citizen of this nation? Uh, and if we started to ask that question equally, I think it would lead to some changes like Maria's talked about how we've introduced at Fusion, because it's all about preparing people for life success, uh, not necessarily to be able to pass a test. Love that. So when you guys work with your students, especially somebody who has, let's say, they really want to take a unique route, whether it's like entrepreneurship or maybe they want to become, a, you know, a, a competitor in, in, in racing or, you know, playing a sport or something like that. How do you guys work with them so that way they can pursue their dreams? And then also to when a student does come in, what are some of the questions you ask them to even figure them, them out and see what is the path for them in the first place? So I mean, there's a lot of things that we do. Um, so first, when a student comes in for the first time, uh, there's there's a process we go through. We call it an admissions meeting. And so we will sit with the family, with the student. Um, and really, that meeting is all about getting to know that particular student, everything from their academic history, uh, how they, you know, how they do with different subject areas, but also just going a lot more in depth, their social and emotional background, um, how they, you know, how their relationship with school in general, their interests, what are their hobbies, what do they like doing outside of school, um, and all of that information gets transferred onto our teachers. So on day one, our teachers already have like this beautiful little profile of a student. And then from that, it's just building, right? Because what I got in a meeting for an hour and a half with a family is still not the full picture. And so our teachers take a lot of time and care to make sure that they're knowing and understanding the student on a deeper level. Um, so how we play to their passions? I mean, it's it's really fascinating uh, what happens day to day here in their classes. Um, just today, for example, we have a student who's really interested in specifically becoming an entrepreneur. He's already started uh, by having his own like Instagram T-shirt business, which he's really excited about. Love it. And yeah, and so we want to take that passion and develop it. Like you know, maybe there's other subjects he's not as interested in, but we we can bring that like passion that he has into those areas. For example, today, his French teacher is starting a unit with him where they're going to be watching clips from movies that highlight aspects of Wall Street, of uh, trading and things like that, which he's really interested in stocks and bonds, but they're watching them in French, right? So we're going to watch it in French. We're going to analyze this scene. We're going to talk about it later. Um, he might go to his English class and his English teacher will collaborate with his math teacher to put together a business plan, right? So the writing portion as well as figuring out like financials and things like that and the math end of things. Um, and so we really come at it from different perspectives, but there's a lot that every subject area can give and contribute to a particular student's passion. Now on, on the teacher side of things, I know uh, it, it, when you tailor something, it, it takes work. It, oh, it takes yeah. time. So what kind of system do you guys have for yourselves as teachers where you can make it efficient, you can make it quicker than, than being it so prolonged, and where it makes it also, uh, um, how do I say it, where it makes it effective for each and every teacher to be on the same page? Because I thought that was unique, you know, saying like, you know, from the from this language and manipulating the math so it, it fits oh, in so, with, cool. so it fits in with what he's trying to do and then all these different subjects. How do you guys come together and do that for each student? Like that to me was remarkable. Thank you. <laughs> it, 
It is nothing short of remarkable. We have remarkable teachers. Um, it is very intentional work. It takes a lot of planning on the back end of things. So whenever we're looking at cross-curricular projects like that, it's being very intentional, setting aside time where these teachers can meet and plan together. Um, so that's certainly a challenge, but it's not impossible. And so our teachers really want it and they go after it. And so they make it happen. Um, as far as the planning for each individual lesson goes, we have a lot of little behind the scenes tips and tricks to kind of, you know, bring down the, the stress and the amount of extra work our teachers have to do. Um, I think primarily it's, it's important to note that our teachers have more, much more planning than a traditional school teacher, but a lot less grading. Um, so whereas, you know, if you teach in a traditional school, you might have to grade anywhere between 100 to 200 things on a weekly basis or probably more if you're assigning more than one thing a week. Um, our teachers have usually a load of about 10 to 20 students at a time. And so the grading does become a lot easier, but the planning is, as we tell every new teacher that we hire, be prepared because planning is a lot heavier for us. Um, and so we, you know, we make sure that uh, they have certain times in a day that are blocked off so that they can, you know, use that for planning. Um, our classes run 50 minutes. And so at those last 10 minutes, they can use to prepare for their next lesson and things like that. And, and you know, we do tell them the, the first time they teach a class is really challenging. And we do give them some extra time to make sure that they are prepared to take on that course. After they've taught a class once, they can really customize it in a much easier way. And so they start bringing in some things that they've already learned about teaching this particular class and bringing in new strategies and collaborating with other teachers in the department as well. So we have a lot of like little little way to to bring that in let's give a little quick shout out to these remarkable teachers oh it's absolutely incredible man i was just about to do that you, you you beat me to it and you know to be to be honest i i wish i was part of fusion academy when when i was going through school <laughs> i think i would be so much farther ahead than i am i mean i might even you know have a i know, blue check I know mark josh like wouldn't you. be as me as me i know me as i know peter i want to ask you like where do you see where do you see the growth of fusion academy going from here i mean Obviously, I think, uh, you know, more people are starting to want to make a little more personal decision for, for their family as a whole and especially for their kids and their future. Um, and I think, you know, with what you guys have going on with private schools and, and with what charter schools are doing, I definitely think that, you know, there'll be a lot more buying into that moving forward. So what are you guys doing to stay on top of that and, and to make sure that your growth is, is heading in the right direction, you know, for years to come? Yeah, great question, Josh. And, and um we are luckily this idea of customization and specialization and individualization and in education is coming true, right? You're seeing more and more options there. I think COVID has only en enhanced that because parents have been forced to better understand what does it look like? What's, what's it like to learn virtually, right? And what are the various options and virtual out there? And it's been a challenging time for teachers and students in environments that are more traditional trying to teach 30 kids face-to-face -face is hard enough. Now try and teach them virtually over a Zoom connection. It's really tough. And so kids are going to be struggling and, and we've read all about it, right? They're, they're probably, some of them are falling behind. Some of them are having social issues because they just aren't around peers anymore. Um, and so this idea of looking for alternatives to help their child, and that's where we want to be. We want to be 
in a place where families can find us when they need us, right? And as I mentioned, we have 60 schools now across the country, 62 schools or 80 if you count the Futures Academy organization in 17 states. And uh, we just launched a virtual school uh, back in, in uh, late summer, early fall called Fusion Global Academy. And now we're servicing kids, I think, in almost 40 states wow. uh, who are enrolled with us. And even kids in, uh, I think we have nine or 10 countries represented right now, wow. even though we haven't started to market anything Powerful. outside of the U.S. But people are finding us and and the one-to-one magic, and, and I can't say enough about our teachers and what they do, as Maria had talked about, is the the way they can bring a school to life or a classroom to life and, and turn on a kid to learning is pretty incredible. And my own son, we're in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is where we're headquartered, but we don't have any schools in Michigan. But my son, who is a freshman, uh, has been tutoring virtually with one of our teachers in the Chicago area at our Oprah campus. And she has been his lifeblood. And uh, he just looks so forward to her tutoring before tests because just that one-to-one work with him and she knows him now and she just turns it on for him. And he goes from sometimes not having any confidence before a test to having complete confidence an hour or two later. And that's what we want to be. We want to be there for families, whether they want to enroll full-time face-to-face or full-time um, virtually, or just come to us for tutoring or to retake a class that they may have struggled in and for a better grade for, at another school. And, and we want to be there so we can individualize. And um, those are the opportunities we have in front of us. And our whole, our whole mandate is how do we continue to grow so we can service more students and, and create opportunities for teachers to impact more and more kids uh, in the, in the way we're very proud of has, has happened so far. I got to just say it's, it's, it's beautiful hearing all of this. And I just want to take time to really say to everybody listening, um, you know, sometimes we don't realize how important, you know, our teachers are, you know, and I think that sometimes a lot of teachers don't get the credit they deserve. You know, you've seen it with, with even a lot of them getting underpaid, undervalued, not being shown the love that they deserve, you know, and it's just like, you know, guys, take a time a second. And if you have a teacher that impacts you in your life tremendously, like, Give them a hug. Tell them thank you. Send them a message. If you're a parent out there who, who has kids and you have great teachers who are teaching your kids, gift them something. Show them love. Message them. You know, show up there and just show them. Give them as much thanks as possible because it, it's 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 not easy being a teacher. You know, it's not easy being a teacher, and it's just really amazing what you guys are doing because that is not easy, and that's why you guys are succeeding because easy doesn't go a long way. Doing the hard things that are hard will become easier as you do them. And that's why you guys are having so much success. And, and it's amazing to be able to share this floor with you guys today. And I just want to say personally, thank you before we wrap things up. And I know Josh as well wants to say thanks. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I couldn't tell you the impact that teachers have had on me. I mean, I shout out to Carolyn Delaney, my business and accounting teacher from, from high school. I still talk to her to this day and she still hounds me about uh, what my checkbook looks like. So, you know, shout, shout out to you for, for being there, you know, since Shit, I think like 2006. So, you know, I, I like I said, I, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for the influence of some very key uh, teachers in my life. And, and, you know, by the sounds of it, you know, Marie, it sounds like what you guys have going on down here in Miami is, is working tremendously well. And Peter across the across the country and, and now, you know, what you're saying, you know, really reaching globally. It's it's fantastic. And I think more parents and more kids need to be able to have the option 
and and have the flexibility to do what's best for them and you guys are really providing that and uh, i think we need more of this in, in the world so you know kudos to to you guys for really you know taking the reins yeah. going head first with this and, and and making a serious impact uh in your local communities and across the country well thank you so much it's uh really appreciate those kind words and and uh, like you guys said, it, when you get amazing teachers on a campus and you have great leaders like Maria uh, who really know kids and really know how to make things exciting for kids and can turn that light bulb on toward learning, but also provide that mentoring makes all the difference in the world. And so we're really proud of the fact that we've been able to help change kids' lives and change their trajectories heading into the future and everything else. So appreciate your support. Yeah, most definitely. And, um, before we wrap it up, I want to give you guys the floor to just be able to connect with our audience and let them know where they can find you, you know, both globally and, and around the nation and in our Miami uh, uh, location as well. Where, where can they reach out to you guys? Uh, what information can you share with our audience? Sure. Uh, so you can find any fusion by simply Googling fusion, your city academy. <laughs> so uh, for us, it's fusionmiami.com. Um, but you can literally Google any fusion across the country and you'll get them as well. We're also present on social media, on Facebook, um, and you can just uh, call the school at 305-831-0041 is our number. And you can also uh, come to see us. And we are in downtown Dadeland in the Daytram building. Awesome. So right across the big public. Any, mm -hmm. any social media platforms? I know we got a lot of social media users out here. Any platforms that you guys have uh, your, your, your academies in? Yeah, I, we have the national uh, Instagrams and Facebooks, right, Pete? Uh, yeah, I think uh, if, you, if, you, if you look up Fusion Academy uh, on any of the social platforms, you'll quickly be connected to both our national as well as, like Maria said, if it's Miami, you can Google Fusion Academy, or not Google, but look up on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, Fusion Academy Miami, and, and you'll see the account there. That's probably the best way. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. So like I'd like to uh, wrap things up, I always like to say a, f a few spitfire questions here. So if you guys want to take turns with it. Question number one, what would you say is the wildest experience you guys have experienced in your career? Either, um, you know, Peter, you know, you coming into the industry, not as a teacher, doing what you're doing. And then Maria, as a teacher, what was that wildest experience you guys ever had in your career? With Mendez. No. <laughs> <laughs> um okay i'll go first because this was uh this was really interesting i opened fusion academy miami um three weeks after giving birth to my second daughter <laughs> wow incredible congratulations i was too, by the way. yes i was heavily pregnant during the open you know the pre-opening phase uh which is really interesting i had to do a lot of traveling i had to you know meet with lots of heads of schools and uh and learn about fusion it was so new to me and it was such a wonderful experience, but I did it heavily pregnant. Um, and then I opened the campus three weeks after giving birth with my little tiny. That was, that was a ride, uh, but it was very fulfilling on both ends. Love that. Um, you know, I'm not quite as close to the actual students and the stories as, as Maria is. And, you know, my, mine might be a little bit more of a global comment, but probably the wildest part for me was, um, we had a, um, our key investor 
um, about a year after we had launched the company, even before we had acquired Fusion, who uh, decided that um, we didn't have a good strategy and we didn't know what we were doing and uh, pulled out uh, of, our, of our program. And so really put the company on wobbly terrain for a little bit of time and just so fortunate we were able to eventually replace that capital. And, and capital is just so important to starting a business for all those entrepreneurs out there. Uh, we were able to replace that and, and ultimately get that first acquisition with, with Fusion done. So it's, it's uh, hard to believe that sometimes you have to overcome these, or it's not hard to believe that you have to overcome some of these early bumps on a journey to uh, really make a difference. Love that. Yeah. I'm sure you, Love I'm that. sure you got a lot of happy kids and parents too, that are glad that you were able oh, to yeah. find that capital. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last and final question for both of you. What is the one biggest piece of advice you can leave off to all our listeners today in one sentence? Each of you got one. It's a do the hard things because they're worth it in the end. Love it. Um, I would, I would say uh, there's nothing more important than believing in yourself and you can't, that you can do it. And if I can add a little bit to that, of course. Um, there's a, uh, we all have a positive voice and negative voice that talks to us every single day. And for those who are able to achieve their success and achieve their dreams, they find ways to make sure the positive voice in their head wins out more than that negative. Way to wrap it up. Yeah, that's an incredible way to wrap it up. I think one of the best we've had so far in the 140 plus episodes <laughs> we've had. Peter, Maria, I want to thank you guys both and uh, thank everyone at Fusion Academy for everything you do for the kids uh, you know, without, like we said, without teachers, without people really, you know, putting their their lives out on the line for, for the future of our nation, the future of our, our population, uh, we wouldn't go anywhere. So thank you guys again. One, one last time, make sure you guys go check them out. Fusion Academy, any city uh, that you think that they might be in, just Google it, and I'm sure you'll be able to, to get your kids enrolled ASAP. If you need a school for your for your kids, well, you got one right here that's going to definitely help. Oh, you man, I, if I ever have kids, I'm definitely looking at Fusion Academy to be teaching hey, them. And, I got my little two-year-old, so soon enough. Josh and Anthony, can I do one last selfish plug, if that's okay? Yeah, of course, that's a plug away, man. For your your listeners who are listening, uh, I just published a book called Limitless, The Nine Steps to Launch Your One Extraordinary Life. Uh, It's about a lot of things that I've learned that I study successful people and my own journey of ups and downs over the years. And 150 pages, hard-hitting. And for those folks who are out to achieve their dreams, uh, if they're interested, they can find Limitless under Peter Rupert on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. It's on Audible? or We'll definitely get a copy. Uh, it's us. coming out on Audible soon. It's not quite there, but it's uh, you can get it on ebook or uh, at, at Amazon or whatever. All like right, I great. Said, about which, to order it right, we'll, right we'll after this. We'll blast it on our social media platform. Yeah, for sure. Thank you guys again. I'll, I'll send you guys copies. Oh, I awesome. appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot, Peter. All right, make sure you guys go check them out on Fusion Academy. And and one last time, thank you, Peter and Maria, for coming on the show. Until next time, everybody. Much love. Thank you for listening to Sweat It Out with Anthony Mendez and Josh Evans. Enjoyed this episode? Make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review.